first year we won 20 games, made playoffs, and, you know, 12-year career there ended up being a really positive one. So uh, I just never looked back. Baseball became boring, and it still is boring. So uh, it's uh, softball is a lot more, you know, fast and fun. And you, as a coach, you get to have your hands in a cookie jar, and you get to make sure that you get to really manipulate things and, and have more of an effect in the game. So it's Welcome to the Car Ride Home podcast. I'm, I'm honored today to be joined by Dave McCorkle. I'm going to give all your titles here in a sec. Let's see if I can do this. Dave is the National Director of League Operations for Alliance Fast Pitch. I think I added events uh, recently too. Co-owner and Director of Operations of Prospect Wire Softball, Texas Bombers Academy Director, Texas Bombers Gold Coach, former high school softball coach, and if I got this correct, 8U coach pitch pitcher. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah that, that, that's, that's done now. I retired that. We just, we're going to 10U now. So no, no more getting balls hit at me and no more of my wife uh, paying kids $20 to hit me since my theory is hit the net when it comes to uh, hitting. So I don't have to worry about that. Well, it's fun because you and I get to hang out daily now. So we're going to put on different hats and uh, be really serious and talk about uh, our podcast here. But I'm excited to dive into, in your title, there was a lot of operations director. Um, and I, I wanted to take this time, especially in the season that we're in, when this is produced in July of, of heading into our national championships. And I think there's so much behind the scenes stuff that people have no idea. I didn't even know, right? I used to just show up to a tournament. Um, so we are going to get into that, but first things first, we got to set the stage in the car ride home. So I'll give you control of the music. What are we listening to? Clay Walker, Clay Walker and Pandora. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Favorite sometimes, Clay Walker song. Sometimes three doors, sometimes three doors down Pandora. Uh, so a little mixture of the two. I think you just showed your age. Usually, usually the uh, kids are in the car with me, so I have to be somewhat limited to the, the music. So that's the best two stations I have. And then, of course, sometimes kids bop for the kids. Fair enough. Where are we eating on the car ride home? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. So unless Chick we get to stop, then it'll probably be a Mexican place that we stop and get some chips and salsa and queso and, and uh, do what we do there. Spoken like a true Texan. True what Texan. is your most, and you've worn many hats, whether being an athlete yourself, being a coach, whether it's high school, travel ball, um, or even now being, being a dad. What is your most memorable car ride home? What's the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you that question? Uh, my car ride home memory is me riding home. You know, my, my mom and dad were always very good at on the car ride home was did I play my hardest and play my best, you know, which is obviously where my core values of a coach and everything I do with attitude and effort come from is, you know, it's, uh, it was non-negotiable. If I didn't play hard, it was not pretty. Uh, and I learned real early that, you know, my attitude, I got yanked out of the dugout by my ear one time because I pouted a, about an umpire's uh, strike zone call, which was a bad call, but it's not negotiable. As I got dragged out of the dugout by my ear and was, was not able to play the rest of the game. Uh, and so, you know, it's just I learned that it was, you know, obviously the Pete Rose fan is that, you know, hustle is, is key. Uh, and the attitude and effort you carry is not only on the field, but off the field is, is you know, is your character forever. What about, because you're now responsible uh, with the Texas Bombers organization and, and you deal a lot with, with families and with parents or even working with your different coaches that are inside of the academy or inside the Bombers. What are some of the conversations you have with them about 
you know, the way to talk to, to their team or the way to talk to their players after games? My biggest message is if, you know, put them in a bomber situation in our program is you're putting them here for the coaching and the competitive side and the high level we play at, you know, so you be the parent, you love them on the way home. You know, you have your family non-negotiables, whatever that may be, you know, obviously you want to make sure you address those, but when it comes to, you know, how they play, just make sure that they're focusing on their core values of their family or whatever they have set forth and let us, you know, do the coaching, let us, you know, obviously we're tough on kids sometimes and, uh, you know, make sure that they get the hug and that, you know, they know that you love watching them play and they get that feeling on the way home. I love it. I love it. Well, we all, we all know you now, uh, wearing many different hats inside of softball, which is, is crazy how, how well you juggle all of that. Um, you and I first met back in Texas A&M softball camp, but can you give a little bit of your background, even growing up in Oklahoma, being a baseball player, can you give us that brief overview um, and the route that you took to, to where you are today? Ooh, uh, you know, obviously played a lot of sports. I wrestled, played basketball, played soccer. I uh, was in the Olympic development soccer program and had a choice going into to high school that was I going to play baseball or play soccer. And baseball was my love, you know, uh, with a ball tournaments. I'd get the whole I'd get the whole neighborhood together and draw up brackets and, you know, play out brackets. And uh, from the time I was probably eight or nine years old and, you know, going into college, I went and worked in a so I could draw up brackets and, and run events and and uh, help end up coordinating a lot of intramurals and officiating and stuff there, uh, you know, and baseball was my love. So that's what I played. And that's what I coached when I was uh, at the end of my college career, I uh, ended up coaching high school baseball and was set to coach high school baseball there. I was going to, you know, I had my athletic training degree, uh, had math degree and I was going to coach and you know, teach math in Oklahoma where I'm going to find out my mom and dad had moved to Texas and Texas paid a lot more. So I, you know, found a job down in uh, uh, Houston and I was looking for baseball jobs and Clements High School called uh, and had offered me a teaching job in math and then the head softball job. And, you know, their baseball was really good, but softball had never won more than 10 games. And so I was like, oh, I'll take it and stay there a year and weasel my way into baseball. And luckily I had some really good kids and parents that just needed some coaching. And so, uh, I didn't know much about pitching other than pitch calling and doing those things. So I kind of just went with what I knew with baseball and, and uh, really instilled the attitude and effort deal. And uh, we kind of took off uh, there at Clements. And first year we won 20 games, made playoffs, and, you know, 12-year career there ended up being a really positive one. So uh, I just never looked back. Baseball became boring. <laughs> and it still is boring. So uh, it's, uh, softball is a lot more you know, fast and fun. And you, as a coach, you get to have your hands in the cookie jar and you get to make sure that you get to really manipulate things and, and have more of an effect in the game. So it's, uh, you know, I think it's a no brainer that softball is a much more exciting sport to watch than baseball. It's fascinating. Just hearing you say that at eight years old in wiffle ball, you were building brackets and then in, in college you were building brackets. So, which is crazy and explains a lot of, of what you do today. Can you talk about um, when you're coaching in high school when you made the switch to travel ball and really how you built the the organization and were able to do both? Uh, well, my second year, I had Dan Hell, uh, who had, had approached me about coming to coach travel ball for, at that time, the Sugarland Shock. Uh, and I really didn't know much about it other than what my players and, and parents had, had said. And, you know, uh, so I got into that. Uh, we got really good. 
Uh, and then I started coaching a team called Survivors with a bunch of young kids. We won an 11-12 U National Championship, and we had really started to establish something. And then UIL changed the rule that I couldn't coach kids that were coming to Clements. So I took a year off because I got my hand slapped of, you know, coaching kids that I wasn't supposed to, I wasn't aware of. And then Texas Express called me to take over their program, uh, well, their program, their team. And so I took over the Texas Express, and it was uh, challenging, you know, but we uh, – you know, we did, we had friend, you know, my friends uh, at the time, Greg Wallen was, uh, his daughter was playing for me and he ended up helping and a couple other people. And we uh, built that and then we added a couple teams and then the aces, you know, Dan Hale came back again after he was with the aces and needed somebody to kind of take over there. So aces and express merged to aces express. And then, uh, you know, Holly Faye and Kelly Faye joined me and then all the other people, and Ace Express grew into a national known organization that was very competitive. We were very small, uh, but we kept it that way and kept it very close knit. And you know, ended, ended up getting a lot of top five finishes. You know, we have three kids that are playing on Team USA, so a lot to be proud of there. Uh, but I got to the point to where it was, you know, time to you know merge with the Bombers. And Scott and I have been friends and, and worked together on some. Uh, events and obviously, you know, what was best for Texas softball and how, how we can catch up with California softball. And so we ended up deciding to merge our companies and our programs. So therefore that's why I'm now with the Bombers and then, you know, co-owner with Scott on, you know, uh, five tool and prospect wire uh, event company. Did you know less than 10% of high school softball players go on to play college softball? The recruiting process can be hard and confusing. That's why the Alliance Fast Pitch partnered with the best in the recruiting game, NCSA. NCSA has been a leader in college athlete recruiting for over 20 years and has helped more than 250,000 student athletes make commitments to their college choice. NCSA provides innovative tools to help athletes through online education and performance training, expert recruiting guidance from former college softball coaches who've actually been there, data-driven college, college matching tools, and access to more college softball coaches than any other college recruiting service. And get this, Alliance members get 50% off NCSA Team Edition and NCSA services. Yes, 50% off all recruiting services and products from NCSA just for being an Alliance member. And trust me, I've asked. The Alliance is the only partner with this 50% off discount for our members. Take advantage of this Alliance membership benefit. Get the edge on recruiting. To see what NCSA has to offer, visit thealliancefastpitch.com, click on Partners, and find NCSA. NCSA, the smart way for coaches, clubs, and athletes to win at college recruiting. It's interesting because how many, I think the merger, right, of travel ball organizations is, is interesting. Sometimes we see it. Um, how many teams were with Aces Express? And then what did that, from a business standpoint, what did that look like of you don't have to go into all the details, but just curious of like how all that actually works. Well, most of our Ace Express was all under nonprofit. So it was, you know, not necessarily for profit. Uh, and it got to the point to where there was a little bit of business involved. And, you know, it's it got to where I was handling all the sponsorships and all the equipment and all because my whole theory is let me do all that and let my coaches coach, you know. And so it got to be a little too much for me. And obviously bombers resources and the things they have from behind the scenes of people that deal with the money. And now I don't have to, I didn't have to worry about that. You know, Bo Venton has been a lifesaver just because he does all the things that, you know, I can do, but I don't have to do. And so, you know, all the things that we have in bombers and the resources we have is just unmatched. And, you know, that's the reason why, you know, I made that, that switch is because it made it easier on me 
and freed up some time for me to now do some things that, that I could do. So it's been a really good deal. Well, one of those things is operating tournaments, both from the prospect wire side of running tournaments and you guys run tournaments throughout the year. And then also with us, with the Alliance Fast Food Championship, can you, how'd you, besides building brackets and wiffle ball at eight years old, um, how did you first, what was your first tournament? Do you remember running that first tournament and how has that passion grown into what you're doing today? Uh, my first tournaments were probably in high school when I was at Clements and Dawson and I was, you know, running some little bit of tournaments. Uh, we ran the Sugarland Fort Bend tournament. And then when I was at Pearland Dawson, I got with Lynnae Clark and we ran the, you know, I started running the Haney tournament for her, which was a great high school tournament. Um, and then I was just running some small round robins and some stuff with uh, RS Express. And then Scott and I got together and, you know, kind of had the idea of a gold cup and, you know, Scott's an idea guy and I, somewhat stole his idea and I'm the one that executed it. And we started the gold cup and then I started gold cup events, which included, you know, a gold cup and a summer cup and a winter cup, you know, you know, and so we just kind of staggered into the level of, you know, going from eight teams to 40 teams to 60 teams to, you know, a hundred teams. And, uh, and I just, you know, I enjoyed doing it. Uh, you know, I, I, I like to obviously, be creative with formatting and brackets and the things we do there. I, you know, I, I'm kind of an over communicator. So when we do have events and do have formats, you know, I, I try to make sure that that communication is, is crystal clear and that, you know, teams and, and players and coaches appreciate it. Uh, and so gold cup ended up being very successful with a lot of good teams and college coaches, you know, we feed the college coaches fajitas and steaks and all that stuff. So obviously that helps bringing them, bringing them in. But, uh, you know, it's uh, just, you know, you're trying to provide an experience over expense. And for a long time, there wasn't much uh, profit. It was all paid towards expense, you know, and, and people nowadays still don't even realize that, that there's not as much profit as people think there is when you run an event because you're doing everything you can to bring in college coaches to provide a great experience for college coaches. And obviously fields and umpires and all that is just, you know, it becomes an ungodly expense because you got to take care of the umpires and make sure that they're getting paid. So, you know. Well, it's a, a lot to it. Yeah. I don't know if people really realize of everything that goes into And when you start talking about, cause I feel like a lot of people start out running tournaments and maybe they do it as a fundraiser for their team. And it's a, mm -hmm. you know, an eight, 12 team round Robin. But when you start getting into these hundred plus team tournaments, it's a, it's a full on operation. Can you kind of like, what goes into that of what goes into some of the details and logistics? Because again, as players, I just want to show up and get on the field and, and go play. Right. But stuff has to happen for you to get to, to first pitch. Yeah. I'll tell you what's a lot easier nowadays. Cause you have things like turning machine and some of those scheduling apps, you know, I, I had built all my stuff in Excel. So I had an entire Excel database of things that I had built personally and that, you know, fed from one tab to another and, and uh, created brackets and, and provided those on PDFs and, and try to create a website. And so, I mean, that, that was challenging, but it's fun, you know, but then it comes to a point where a turning machine came about. I think I missed the boat because I probably could have built a turning machine because it really is just an Excel spreadsheet all into an app. Uh, but, uh, you know, things like that have made it a lot easier. You know, I, I create a format and put it into what I think it is. And, and now I have, you know, people that work for me, you know, especially Christy Malpass, shout out to hers, you know, she takes what's in my head. And I put on paper and then she puts it in turning machine and is able to do that. And that way I can go do somewhere else. And she's, you know, uh, doing a lot of that stuff. So it's, 
you know, it, it's, uh, it was tough there for a while when you're, you know, just straight up Excel spreadsheets. Uh, so, you know, obviously we've tried to adapt as time has, has adapted and we've had more resources and obviously, you know, combining with, uh, five tool and Scott and Bo is, you know, those resources have been very beneficial to me as, as I am able to create more ideas and more formats to make things, you know, I, I like to create things a little bit different to where, you know, my biggest thing is, especially for exposure events that coaches and players and teams are getting exposure. They're getting a cool format that's competitive and that you can end up being, a, you know, having a winner uh, throughout that. And it's what I call balanced competition to where the, the event format makes it to where you're really getting rid of a lot of run rule games because you're putting teams in places that they are very similar to the competitive level as other teams. Getting exposure, what does that mean? How is a how is a tournament operator building a tournament? Can you kind of ensure that, that these kids, because that's important, right? And, and a lot of the events that we put on and parents are asking, our college coach is going to be there, my kid's going to get seen. So from a tournament standpoint, how are you working on that to make sure they're getting exposure? Yeah, well, a lot of times, you know, camps is obviously you bring in college coaches to help run camps, get kids exposed there. Uh, and then obviously the format of your event is you'd like to have, you know, a, a couple games to where coaches don't have to worry about lineups, you know, where they can have free defensive substitutions to where you still have the competitive level, but they're also able to do some things that the lineup really doesn't matter. And the kids are being seen and college coach says, Hey, can I see this? So this kid pitch or this kid hit, and there's a little bit of flexibility. Now, obviously the switch turns, you know, at some point to where you want to make sure that it's got to be, you know, a true lineup and the integrity of the lineup has is, is got to be accurate and that you're playing for a winner. So, you know, we try to make sure that we mix and match that to where, you know, kids are getting what they want and the exposure of college coaches is as maximized as possible. Yeah. Well, speaking of format and, and kind of craziness, um, I do want to talk about our Alliance Fast Pitch Championship Series and to give a little bit of the backstory on the what we call the AFCS when we started the Alliance in, in 2020, that was the vision was to put these athletes in an experience that they hadn't had yet in, in travel ball and to prepare them for college softball postseason, which a couple of the things we talk about are, you know, like trying to beat a team twice or playing a best two mm -hmm. out of three format. Um, so we came up with this crazy concept to have regionals, super regionals, elite eight, and a national championship series all in one week all in one tournament. And in the first year, which you were not a full-time uh, employee yet at that time, but we, we actually did it to where we started the event with tier one teams and tier two, which essentially would be our version of NCAA division one, NCAA division two. And it was a little bit complicated. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is, is teams weren't really getting a lot of games. And by that point, when you, you spend a lot of money as a family to get there and, and getting a, a certain amount of games is important at a national. So insert Dave McCorkle, August, 2021, um, you come in, I stole you away from, from being a, a high school teacher and coach. And one of the first things that we went to work on was the AFCS format and just tweaking it a little bit, right? Where we still kept, that core value of mimicking or somewhat emulating college softball postseason, um, but we made some tweaks. So take us through your thought process. Cause I remember you're like, I can't get this out of my head. Take us back of like what was going on in your head when you looked at that format and how we could adjust um, and explain what that is today. 
Uh, a lot of that started let's COVID, right? As COVID hit and the TFL, Texas Fast Pitch League, and Jazz and Kevin and Scott and Jack and Casey and, and Lample and JB, you know, we all came together with, you know, six, seven different programs. Like, what can we do with Best for Kids? And so we created Texas Fast Pitch League. And, you know, we're in Texas. We're fortunate enough to be able to play before anybody else's play. So we created a format for that summer championships that was almost exactly like college world series is teams played in regionals on one day or two days. And then they went to supers and then they split out and, and went to elite eight. And so, you know, Alliance was kind of built on that Alliance the first year, you know, I wasn't, you know, employed yet, but I was involved as, as we maybe exactly, you wanted 64 teams. We're going to go to regionals and then we're going to go to supers and play best two out of three uh, and then have the elite eight. And there was, you know, some hiccups in there because in our world is a little bit different than the college college world is, you know, they want to play more because if they lose two, then there's nowhere to go. And so uh, we ended up, you know, talking a lot and I just couldn't get out of my head is like, why not go to more than 64? You know, why, why not? Because there's more than 64 top tier teams in the, in the country. So let, let's, you know, change the format to where there is, you know, up to 96 or more to where they, everybody starts in a different regional and how you perform out of that region determines which tier you go to. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time on uh, pencil and paper and come, come up with, you know, having 16 tier or sorry, 16 regions and the top two from each region would advance to the tier one, which gives you 32 teams. The third and fourth place team would go to tier two and then the fifth and sixth and beyond would go to tier three. And now you have three different national championships all within one. And so now those teams, you know, Joe Brewer and Northwest said it best one time. He's like, we don't know where we fall. We don't travel. We don't know where we're at. We think we're one of the top teams in the country, but, you know, we want to get there and figure it out without having to pay a lot of money to figure it out during the year. So that really struck me as like, all right. And so a team like that, you know, or a team that goes and maybe goes 0-2 in regionals. But now they're in Tier 3 to where now they can – they know where they're at. You know, they can go compete. It's a start – on day three, it starts over. So they can – compete for that tier three national championship and uh, there it's a, it's a better experience. And so, you know, the experience was always my thing is if I was a top team, if I was a middle team, if I was a lower team, how can I make sure that all three levels are getting the best experience possible? And so last year, that's when we uh, went into three different tiers that feed out. And it was, it was awesome seeing tier three teams competing because they truly felt like they had a chance to go win something instead of just being the, you know, 65th place team that's, you know, not playing for anything. They are true. They are playing for something. And so it's a better experience. So it worked out well and, and excited to see what year two comes with that. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It kind of goes back what you were saying on building balanced competition. So it, it is, mm -hmm. it's a level playing field at the beginning where we have the 16 regionals. Yes, they are seated. But if you got a bad seed, hey, you got an equal opportunity to go prove it on the field and, and, and win. Right. And so then how you finish in that regionals sets the stage for super regionals. And if you're in tier one, tier two, tier three. And I remember last year, you know, there were some teams that, hey, they, they lost a couple games. I like maybe like started 0 and 2, but they weren't done. They dropped down into super regionals in this different tier and they make this run. And it's kind of a cool experience that you get to to watch, you know, from that. Can you talk to of now put your coach hat on? Cause you've, you've coached in this as well and, and helping take the bombers team all the way through undefeated last year, through regionals, through supers, through elite eight, 
and then you get to the champ series and you actually face an opponent that you had already shoot. I think you'd run ruled them before. What is that like as a coach now of having to, you know, go through this format and then at the end you got to beat a team twice. Yeah. I mean, especially 18U is obviously the scouting and the, the adjustments and all that is not only for your own, but the other team is what adjustments they're going to make. You know, obviously we had run with the team and played really well. They made some adjustments, came back and, and, you know, it was looked like a different team out there because they made adjustments. And so, you know, we're in the final series and we're trying to make adjustments and you're, you just stop and you're like, man, this is exactly like the kids are going to be in college. And, and not just division one, but division two, division three. I mean, Wade Wilson at TLU is a great friend of mine. You know, his group goes to the same thing. So no matter what division these kids go to, they're getting a college experience when it comes to getting through a different, you know, region, super region, how to make adjustments. If you run into somebody twice, how do you make those adjustments? If you have to play them a third time, then how, you know, how are you going to make those adjustments? So you really, as an event director and more importantly, as a coach, you really start thinking like our job is to really get these kids ready for the next level. And nobody's doing that like alliances right now. And so I, I'm just proud to be a part of that because, you know, kids are leaving Alliance, National Championship Alliance teams and going to college way more prepared than what they were before. So I'm just excited to be a part of it. That's a good point too, right, of preparing. Because now we have two classes that have played in this. And I, I'm thinking back of like a, a Sophia Simpson who who competed in our National Championships on Hall of Fame Stadium, was put in certain situations like that. And now you see her in pressure situations excelling at the University of Texas. Um, or just, just re- that was kind of the first one that came to mind. But have you talked to some of your players about now that they're in college and saying, hey, like, I remember this or going through this experience? Have you actually had those conversations? We have. You know, we talked to them quite a bit. And a lot of our kids still come back, you know, and they're, they're just, they feel like they're so far ahead of some of their teammates because of what they were put through. You know, a lot of times kids don't understand things till they come back, right? Or till they experience at the next level, then they have a little bit more appreciation. And so that's, uh, it's always good to try to get those involved there. Uh, but you can just also see at the comfort level is they've been there, you know, they're, they're already, you know, armed with the, whatever armor they need to handle those things physically and mentally. Uh, Cause it's a grind. I mean, it's an Alliance national championship playing all the way to the end is a grind, you know, and it's uh I can only imagine it's very similar now. It's in a lot less time, but that's, you know, we obviously don't want to bring teams to one here and then go here and then go here. We want to do it all within six, seven days. So a lot of those kids, uh, A, they say it, but you can also see it as they're a lot more comfortable. They've been in some big stadiums because we're able to, you know, provide some stadium uh, for some of our big games. So it's uh, it's exciting to see them get the opportunity. Well, another big difference that, that we have with the Alliance is our seating process where we actually have a, a seating committee that's looking at the body of work, very similar to the NCAA selection committee and the selection show that you go through. Cause I know you, you just sent the list yesterday to our, to our seating committee. Can you explain what that process is like um, from your standpoint of what goes into the, to the seating process of the AFCS? Yeah. First of all, I'm so excited that I'm not involved with it. And there's no coaches involved with it. So a lot of people think that Alliance is doing this, but we have a very handful of, of selected individuals that run event companies, run evaluation companies, run camp companies that don't have teams or programs. You know, so Derek, Derek Alster, who's, you know, one of the most respected persons in the sport, leads that committee. 
and you know he takes it and he calls event directors he, he's not necessarily calling coaches he's calling people that run events that aren't coaches and see how people do across the country you know obviously we have our ranking system which is you know it's accurate as it, it's accurate as the data makes it you know but there's a lot of other things involved when it comes to that so they take a lot of different variables and the last couple of years they've been very good if you look at their the final results and the initial rankings it's you know initial seedings they're they're pretty spot on you know they may miss some here and there um but they really are a unbiased committee that truly is just trying to get a top 32 from top to bottom and then they obviously want to try to prevent you know somebody in the same region playing at the same time from the same state from the same league and so there's come some those things involved but uh, it's a lot to it. You know, I, we sent that yesterday and, you know, they'll be working the rest of the week on that to where they can get it back to Triple Crown and, and, and get that scheduled to where, you know, hopefully by Monday it's scheduled. But it's a, it's a long process. They do a lot. We do. A, we appreciate them a lot. On the, the alliance rating system, I think this is an important thing, too, of just telling people because the points we keep points, your, your team earns points. Can you talk a little bit about that and what role? Do, do our points play into the seating process and then teams, you know, collecting points along the way? Yeah. I mean, athletes go live has been great for us because they've, you know, really built a system for us that, you know, teams that score underneath an AGL event code through Alliance that results in data when they stream and score automatically populates and, you know, the, 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 result of the game and then the stats all get populated into our statistics that we're able to do a lot of things with. But the, the result of the game is the ELO system rating to where it's, you know, a, a worldwide ranking system that bases off strength of schedule, who you've played, you know, the, the wins and losses. And it truly is bringing things from results on the field and not just somebody saying, Hey, this team should be number one. And so, you know, there are some teams that, you know, maybe don't use AGL, uh, we highly recommend they do because then that brings their kids more more notoriety and able to be able to pull in those those results and those stats to where we can do more with it because obviously we like to put the player first to where we can recognize somebody that's hit a bunch of home runs or high batting average or high you know a, a good ERA a lot of strikeouts that we have that information uh, readily available uh, but you know that right there creates the ranking system but there are some teams that you know are the Wichita State teams to where, you know, maybe they don't, don't score AGL. Maybe they went and did really well in Colorado to where now the seating committee has to take this team that may not even be ranked at all because they're not in the system, but yet their Alliance members and their playing Alliance is now, where do they go? Or you have somebody that hasn't played a tough schedule and they've, you know, maybe manipulated their schedule to where, you know, their record is really, really good, but they haven't played anybody, you know, so therefore I have to take that, you know, team and realize, okay, yeah, they're not, they're not the fourth best team in the country, you know? And so it's a lot of variables involved and, and hopefully as we do this more and see the results, people will start trusting it and realize that it's not us manipulating anything. It's, it's a true committee of non-coaches that are putting together that seating. So. Yeah. And I think you always have to have a, a combination of, of subjective and objective data, right? Absolutely. You see that in the, the selection committees, you see that in the football, you know, national championship uh, playoffs too. So I, I think they do a phenomenal job of looking at the resume, full body of work. One of my favorite stories is uh, Williamsburg starts two years ago when they might, they played a more regional schedule. They didn't play a, a national schedule. So their strength of schedule might not have looked as good, but our committee knew 
they have this pitcher named Emma Limley who's pretty dang good. And sure enough, they were our, our seed overall seed and made yeah. their way because they, I think they won one to zero and two to one and maybe only lost to you guys like one zero. But those are things that are, are really, really important for a, a committee to see. Correct. So bold predictions are our seedings. We haven't even seen them yet. Um, and I've always admired you because you're somebody who is like the most like neutral person. I mean, even last year you went from losing a national championship game to helping me pass out awards to the, the championship team. So I've always respected your ability to just stay neutral throughout all of it. And I think that could be echoed throughout our, our world too. So bold predictions. We'll start with 18 and under just from what you've seen. Um, who? Give me your, your prediction on a national championship matchup. Matchup? Uh, I think Batbuster Stith will definitely be in that. Uh, we can go Final Four. Final Four. Final Four. Uh, Batbusters, FX Mercado. Oh, then it's a dogfight. Oh, it's a dogfight for, I mean, second through whatever. Bat, Batbusters has proven right now that they, they are the team to beat. Uh, they've been dominant throughout the year. Impact Gold, uh, Jackson has been really good. They just won TFL Championship. Uh, pretty handily, um, you know, it's just, that's a good thing. Alliance, there's another 20 teams there that, that could really be a part of that conversation. Um, you know, cause you got aces and Iowa premier who are, you know, beating is, is a lot of us are playing each other and recently in Colorado events. And, you know, there's three different major events in Colorado that all those teams are playing each other and they were, it, they just kept beating each other, which, you know, iron sharpen, sharpens iron. So that's, I think what, you know, what we're built on is we keep doing that. So, uh, I, I just don't know if I could give you those others. I think Batbusters, Athletics, Ricardo will be a final four. And I think the other two will be a dogfight between Iowa Premier Aces and, and Bombers. And uh, I'm missing a lot. So it's, you know, <laughs> it's going to be fun. It, it, tune in. Well, the other 16U, I know you've been coaching it at the 1600 level. Um, and 16U can be difficult sometimes, right? Because maybe some players move up in the middle of the year mm-hmm. to 18s. Um, give me... Give me some teams to watch at the 16 under level who you're expecting to make a run through the AFCS. Uh, I'll give you a list of teams. Athletic Ricardo, Hovermail, uh, Impact Gold, Jazz, uh, Aces are always good at 16U. Uh, Batbusters has several teams. Uh, Bombers have uh, two or three teams that could make a run. Uh, it's it, I could go on and on. How about uh, our Super Cup so, champ? Uh, that's no doubt. Yeah, so I mean, it's you know, uh, Super Cup had eight teams in it. That definitely was going to be a huge, you know, plus to it. Um, I, I just, again, six and you may even be bigger. You got you know the the uh, Warriors coming out of California. I mean, I can look at the list here and just keep going on and on and on about Glory has some good six and you teams. Batbuster, Corona Angels. Uh, firecrackers will find a way to squeeze in there. Fury's coming, coming hard on, on a lot of different age groups. Uh, and so impact gold jazz just won TFL for the second year in a row. Uh, they, they place well again in, in, uh, the super cup. Um, am I missing? Oklahoma athletics, Madden Clemmer is, is, you know, who handily won super cup and then, uh, went on and, and made a run at uh, the Colorado event is, you know, they're, they're putting up 16 runs a game and not giving up, but one or two. So uh, <laughs> it's, you know, 
they're they're pretty scary. I think I think at Super Cup, which is three games, they hit fourteen home runs. Yeah, something just insane. in three games against three top teams in the country. Yeah. So it, it'll it'll be interesting to see how Oklahoma Athletics come come out to California and do that. So I, I would think they're going to make a run to be the, the one of the final four teams, and uh, you know the, the door's wide open for a lot. Usually I end with, with rapid fire. So we'll, we'll consider that my bold predictions. That's, that's a new segment we just started with, but rapid fire. Um, what was last year was your first national championship with us. What was one of the biggest surprises and um, hosting put your hosting hat on that, that you didn't expect that was, was a positive surprise. Uh, I think the biggest excitement I had, was just seeing the, the tier two and tier three, how those teams were competing to get to the lead eight. You know, the excitement that those kids had, those teams, you know, they're, they're excited to be there and excited to compete, you know, and, and I think the refreshing part of having on day three, starting a whole new event is an awesome thing for the sport is because now those teams and those kids get to go fight. I mean, it's, I saw an ITB game for a tier three elite eight. That was maybe one of the most competitive games that I saw. And I was sitting there waiting to give out awards for whoever won and it just wouldn't stop, you know, and the kids were just there all day and they were, they were just grinding. And it was, it was exciting just to see that neither one of those teams would give up. I love that. I just got chills thinking about just, you know, and I love the excitement too. And they get the elite eight hats, which is like my favorite thing. So I'm going to switch back to coaching most athletic player you have ever coached. Most athletic player I've ever coached is Macy Morrow. I thought you might go to Jefferson. It was, uh, I think, at Clement, she started in center, started in left, started at short, or started at third, and the senior started at short. So she's all stated at four different positions. Somebody always asked how fast she was, and I said safe, because she would never run fast when she had to, but she'd run as fast as she needed to be to be safe. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, I know that was one of your teammates, but it's – she, she was fun to watch play softball. Um, you know, obviously you have to put Janae Jefferson in that, in that talk. Uh, you know, but Janae was just had a drive to just never settle for not being anything but the best. And so, mm-hmm. you know, obviously her junior, senior for us, she really started to sparkle. Uh, and then she just kept getting better in college and kept getting better in college and just never stopped. A lot of times you'll see kids in college, you know, even your best ones as they get there, they're just pretty consistent for four years. You know, Janae got there and just, you know, kept getting better and kept getting better and kept getting better. And then obviously she's now on the USA team and one of the best players in the world. Uh, So, you know, I I would say she's probably, you know, one of the most athletic, but Macy was just, she was a a rare breed when it comes to overall softball player. He he had the arm, she could swing it, she could bunt it, she could run it. Uh, She was, she was fun to coach. Oh man. She scored the most important run in my career, which was to beat Florida for to go to the national championship game. So you're talking about safe, like, yeah, probably ran her fastest in that scoring from first to first to home. Yeah. Most, and you can answer this however you want. Most surprising player you have ever coached. I'll be honest. I think Kelly Maxwell may be the most surprising reason to say that because she had some pretty major injuries to her back when she was a junior. And so her recruiting was limited. Uh, You know, obviously she's a topic of a lot of softball talk right now. Uh, but when she went to college, she had to redshirt because of injury just wasn't where she needed to be. So Kenny wasn't quite ready, redshirted her. 
you know, she went through some, you know, struggles, uh, obviously physically and many, mentally. Is she ever going to be able to get back to be as strong as she possibly can? So, I mean, it was, it was surprising to see a kid nowadays grind through all that and come out the other end with, you know, stronger mentally, physically to worse, you know, now obviously she's one of the best pitchers in the world. Uh, but it's surprising today's society that a kid could come out of that with what she went through to be where she's at today. Yeah, it's, that's interesting. What about best travel ball player you've watched? And it could be somebody you coached or ideally somebody you, you haven't coached. Best travel ball career. Best travel ball. Oh, let's see here. God, that's 20 years. So you're, you're making me look look all the way around. Uh, I would say one of the toughest outs I've ever pitched against was Sean McDonald. Mm-hmm. Is obviously I'm a Texas homer here, but it's, uh, you know, Erickson from last year was a hard out regardless. But Sharonda is, you know, she could ground out a one hop to the pitcher and be safe at first. And then now she's on third and in, in, in two pitches. You know, it, when you have to tell your pitchers to slow their windup down to get her to leave early uh, to get an out, then that's probably a, a kid that's pretty dang good. So it's uh, uh, that, I mean, last year in the National Championship, the Erickson kid was. Oh yeah. Crazy. I mean, I, I've never seen a kid at that level at a national championship. Just, you can't get her out. It was, uh, it was nuts. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to that list, but I'm, I'm never sure on it. Just shaking my head. Like, I, I, I don't know. What's it like sharing a dugout with Kat Osterman and Scott Smith? Uh, usually awesome. Uh, obviously, you know, Kat and what she brings to the table and then Scott, what he brings to the table with managing games and, and putting together rosters that always compete for national championship. Uh, you know, that's the reason why we merged with Bombers is to, you know, be a part of that. Uh, you know, we, we were able to play with Ace Express in the national championship, but, you know, we didn't have that coaching staff. Uh, you know, they're just one of many in our entire Bombers program that, you know, is that you can learn from. And so it's really good to be able to see Kat, how she works with pitchers. Uh, and then obviously Scott has his role in that with the rest of the team. So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun being part and just being named in that same coaching staff. All right. Last question. What's one event that you haven't hosted that you would like to host or that you'd like to bring to softball? I probably, I wouldn't mind. I don't have time for it. So don't, Nobody take any uh, notes here, but I wouldn't mind being in the the, the behind the scenes of Colorado. Is just all the things that Triple Crown does with Colorado, with all the. I mean, it, it's they're one of my events times fifteen. You know, which is crazy. They had some weather this year on, on Thursday, and then that you know that what they have to go through to do that is, you know, crazy respect for that, and you know, just being able to kind of see behind the scenes of what they do with that would be interesting you know don't call me i i i don't, I don't want to uh, i don't have time for that so nope. uh, we're not we're not uh, lending in <laughs> yeah. well i guess yeah. uh, i guess now we will uh we will get back to work but dave thanks for thanks for joining us on the car ride home pleasure always love working with jamie low price